uh, when people watch this, good evening. Welcome to Deep Gospel 2021. Woohoo! Everyone Yay! excited about the new year? <laughs> um, I know I'm super excited about it. And we're going to have um, a whole new group of people joining us for these conversations this semester because we want to connect with other leaders um, in our district. Um, and so today we have Meredith joining us. Meredith is the uh, youth pastor, youth director, I don't know which title you use, at um, Grace St. Augustine. Um, Meredith, do you want to give people any uh, fun facts about you? Sure. Um, I love to bake blueberry pies. So that's what I do in my free time. And then um, I love Jesus. That about sums me up. Jesus and blueberry pie feels like a, a package deal to me. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, Meredith, I don't know if you've met uh, other people in our community, but uh, Grace is one of our students at UNF and is one of our um, interns this semester. Um, and then you may have met Derek before. He's, he's around <laughs> and he's our director. And then my name's Haley because I forgot to introduce myself and I'm the associate director. Um, I'm really excited about our conversation. Uh, we follow lectionary gospel texts and last Sunday when people have been watching this um, is baptism of the Lord Sunday. So we are in a new year where we're following mostly through the gospel of Mark and our first text will introduce us to Jesus baptism, which is an important uh, marker for us in this year. So I'm going to uh, open us in prayer and then Grace will read our scripture for us. God, we give you thanks for this breath of fresh air in this new year and this reminder that we are yours, we are beloved, um, that we are united with you in this uh, holy sacrament of baptism. And that as we uh, enter into a new year, that this might be uh, the marker of what we do. Made in your image, reflecting your image, seeing the image of God in others. Be with us as we uh, talk through these texts. And um, we love you and we thank you for this time and this conversation and your presence here. Amen. Hi. Um, so I'm reading out of the NIV. Feel free to use whatever Bible you prefer. Um, but I'm, yes, it's Mark 1, verses 4 through 11. Yes, thank you for that confirmation. Um, so it says, and so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee 
and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, um, I am really excited to talk about this text. Some of it might be familiar because this was also our gospel text for part of Advent, um, focusing more on John. Um, but let's break down first what we liked about it. So Derek, uh, tell us what you liked. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough time. It is what it is. I'm gonna preach like two or three messages this week just on this passage. Um, so I'll just say that I love that the story that is about Jesus, the gospel, actually starts with somebody else. <laughs> I just love that. I, I love how um, you know it's a, it, it, there is a sense, and this is what I think about Advent. Advent is about that longing, like the story of Jesus starts with the longing and the expectation of God's people and God responding in, in the person of Jesus. And I, I just, I guess I think just in God's economy, I mean, yes, I know theologically all things start in him. He is the beginning of all things, but the story that we tell is one that starts with preparing the way and the longing um, and I just think that's beautiful and that Mark, like, you know, our oldest gospel, that's how Mark is like, let me tell you this story. And the story of Jesus actually starts with a guy named John. And I was like, that's brilliant to me. And, and obviously John, the, the gospel writers could be like, the story of Jesus starts with the story of Jesus. <laughs> Who Jesus. And I get, I love that. I love that too. But I love that the way Mark sort of starts this gospel we've got to talk about the people around the story, in the story, their names and who they are and, and the message they're preaching, because all of that takes us to this person of Jesus. And I think there, there's just incredible implications for that. And, um, but just, yeah, I, 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 love, I love that piece. Um, this story about Jesus starts with John. Um, I definitely think it's significant because as we'll see, as we keep unpacking Mark, Mark is not uh, the gospel that wastes a lot of words. And a lot of the stories we have that are in other gospels are much shorter in Mark. Mark's like, let's get to the point. We've got stuff to do. And so for this gospel writer to pause at the beginning is so important. Um, so thanks for pointing that out. Meredith, what did you like? Um, I honestly really appreciated in verse six when he describes what is John wearing. Um, I say that because one, I feel like I'm a very like visionary, like visual learner. Um, and also I know my students are. Um, we, another thing why that popped out to me and why I appreciated it so much is that um, we were talking um, many weeks ago and I asked them, um, the youth, if they could pick what we're going to study, what would they, what would they choose? Like if they were the youth director, what would they do? And um, one of the students said, you know, I just want to learn about what people wore in the Bible. Like what did they wear? And I thought, what a great question. 
And so, like we were saying of Mark kind of getting to the point, him saying that John has, you know, coarse camel hair woven in his clothes and that he has a leather belt, all those things are very on purpose. And also, I, I have a leather belt. So it makes John more human to me. And this was a real person, not just a story in a book. Like the Bible is real. John was a real person. And I feel like um, that's just important for me to like remind myself and for the students that I have. Yeah, I specifically was thinking when we started, Mark, about um, one of the people in our community, Brooke, who loves the imagery. And Mark doesn't always give us that. But in this passage, we get a lot of picture. Um, I mean, you can even probably smell John a little bit because it doesn't sound like he smelled all that great. Um, but we get lots of, um, lots of detail around that. So thanks for sharing that. Um, what did I like? Oh my goodness. So again, not, a, not enough time <laughs> to talk about all the things that I liked. Um, I think for me, you know those moments in your faith where it just feels like God is giving you like the same message in like 10 different ways. Like it's just like one person says something and then it's in a book you read and then it's in the scripture. Right now, the theme is beloved. Uh, we're reading a book by Henry Nowen called Beloved Community as part of our residency program. I'm reading another book. This is a little teaser for our Evolve people out there called Liturgy of the Ordinary that starts with this message of being beloved. And there is just something for me um, in this season especially with the way that like the pandemic has changed our ability to achieve certain things, that resting in being God's beloved and the way that we're kind of united, um, like Jesus being beloved, kind of covering us, unites us in that kind of marker from God that I mean, to say that I liked it is like way under <laughs> undermining how like profound this like message is to who we're called to be as like a beloved people of God. Um, and so even though um, it's, it's easy to kind of pass through these words really quickly with all the other imagery and stuff going on. Um, it seems like God really wants me to hold those words by being like, hey, just in case you missed it, I'm gonna throw it in this book you're reading over here, or I'm gonna like put it in the song you're listening to um, because this is a message that like we all need right now. So that's, um, that's what I liked. Uh, Grace, what about you? What did you like? Um. I really like the images. Um, it's it's just so pretty and so easily like in my head, um, especially in like verses seven and verse 10, um, where he says like the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Like that's so clearly right there, like seeing that. Um, and then Jesus coming out of the water 
I feel like that's a very like traditional church image that um we might envision or that might like be shown to the little kids is just this like glorious man stepping out of the water and there's water dripping on him and the sun is behind him and you just see these doves flying by and everything is beautiful um but it's really pretty <laughs> so I just I really appreciate when like I can feel connected to it like that because a lot of the Bible for me is just very difficult, <laughs> hard to like envision and understand and things like that. Um, so when it is just very clearly like easy to connect with, I appreciate it a lot. <laughs> yeah, and like those images are iconic for a reason. Um, because of how like profound they are. Um, Derek, I think you had some more to say about that. I do, because I think it's, it's, it's really beautiful, the, the images that Mark has given us, right? And I just want to say that to be the, the shortest gospel, and yet to not feel like he needed to bypass these details that like help us see the moment, I think it's just incredible writing, right? Obviously, it divinely inspired word of God, but and this is just Derek sort of talking here. I think Mark went to like, he went to his narrative and rhetoric course and he like was, he got all the fluff out of there but made sure he kept everything in that we would need to fully step into this gospel. And I, I just wanna name that, that I think that that is remarkable to be a, let's just get to the point. Let's just talk about this thing. I think we find that Mark is actually like the most vivid and image rich of the gospels. Maybe not so many scenes, but I think that he packs so much in the scenes that he gives us in I think 16 chapters. And I just wanna say that's remarkable. Uh, that's just remarkable writing. As a person who is not visual, to see these visuals is like, dude, you kept me and you didn't even, okay, let me stop, right? Take it back over, Haley. Go ahead, Grace. Um, it's remarkable, you say. That's, I'm just, that's Your great grace, 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 God's grace. <laughs> oh my goodness. I feel like we're gonna be using that one a lot from like now on. Um, so there are so many things we liked, images, depth, uh, grounding who we are, starting in these other places, taking our time and hurrying through, right? So the things that challenged us then, um, I think, are even like more significant because we have all of this grounding to them. So I'll start with mine. Um, this is a like teensy bit apocalyptic. We could like miss it <laughs> um, in the way that that we see the other images, but the main word, the word that challenges me, um, the word that I think is important is the way that the heavens are torn apart. Um, and this is actually like something in like the commentaries that the word for this 
torn apart is the same word when like the veil is torn in two when Jesus is resurrected from top to bottom. Like heaven is heaven and earth, like whatever veil is between them is now being not just kind of moved over gently, but like obliterated in this moment. Um, and I think what challenges me in that like nearness, in that holiness, in that kind of like place is that the, this moment, Christmas epiphany, and then this moment, baptism of the Lord, are all these reminders that like, God is more near to us than God could ever be. And, and there's no going back to that, that being torn apart, like that's done. Um, and so the challenge is how we continue to see that openness, that window between here and heaven, that it's always present. And to be honest, my eyes are not always trained to see where those spaces are open. Um, and so it's less of a challenge of like, I'm not quite sure about what's written here and more of this challenge of like, how do I live into this idea that um, heaven is, is here and that we're somehow called to name it, to represent it, to create it and all those things. Um, Grace, what was your challenge? Um. So kind of going back to what you said earlier, Meredith, um, talking about the clothing that he's wearing and eating locusts and wild honey. Um, obviously, Mark put that there for a reason, especially when like it's such a short book and everything. But it's it kind of brings me back to the whole concept of like the mustard seed how like that was a very understandable thing for the people that it was initially being spoken to but now we're like I, what what's a mustard seed like why do I need to know this what's how does this apply to me and then like once you can learn what it meant back then it means a lot more than just like yes my faith is like a mustard seed because like the so I I'm just kind of challenged one because it's not immediately right there for me to already understand um but it's something that I have to spend time with God and look into and be like okay what is the significance of like locusts and wild honey like what's also locusts and I just they make me really uncomfortable that is probably one of mm, I am terrified they start off really small and they're real cute when they're really small, but then you realize there's hundreds of them on like one blade of grass and they disappear. And a couple months later, or maybe a couple weeks later, they're huge and they're just staring at, I digress. Um, I just want to go deeper and deeper and deeper and understand like, what is this significance? What, if someone was explaining it in 2021, 2021 now terms, like what would it actually say? Um, and it takes time. <laughs> Thanks, Grace. Oh, um, I have some thoughts, but I can't wait to hear the other challenges. So I'm going to ask Derek to share his challenge. So this is where y'all are going to let me like go off from my 
nerd boat and just go out into the deep and you're like have fun Derek that that's you that's all you um it's the line at the end of verse eight well the whole verse quite honestly I baptize you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and I'm challenged by it only because I'm aware that our beautiful broad timeless family of Jesus often read scripture and depending on where we are located, both the time we live, the perspective we're living from, the theological grounding we've been given, we read the text differently. And this is one of those texts that like, I just know that if there are 12 million United Methodists, there are 15 million understandings of verse eight of what's happening here. Um, and what does it mean? I mean, there are some uh, who don't take it to mean much more than sort of just the Holy Spirit presence in the world and now you get to know it. Similar to sort of the challenge of being, of being able to recognize when there's this veil being torn or, or there's this action of heaven come into our lives, sort of what you were explaining, Haley. But then there's this, this other side of the family that's like, no, like there's like a second blessing. There is this uh, second baptism of the Holy Spirit that like is like necessary for living a, a, a supernatural life. And if you haven't had the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you might not even be fully saved. I mean, it's like that full on like spectrum and it challenges me. I'm also very um, excited about that challenge, but I, 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 when I read that, I, I just kind of want to look around the rooms like, all right, did anybody else hear that? Like, what do you think to be baptized by the Holy Spirit means? Like, what, you, what? <laughs> and, and obviously that takes us into so many other subjects, but I am quite challenged by it because, um, Again, Mark being one who doesn't just sort of waste the words. He was intentional to add this in there. So what does, and, and baptism for most of us in the family of Jesus is a water situation. So what's the Holy Spirit situation? Another uh, gospel says being baptized by fire, which I'm like, all right, let's, let's back up here and really get, get some understandings of what we're thinking about here. But again, like for me, that's the challenge um, that, you know, when we start talking about the takeaways of, of stories like this, a scripture specifically here in Mark, what are we gonna do with a baptism of the Holy Spirit? Oh my goodness. So you definitely went there um, for us. And you know, what's interesting that I'm reflecting on is as a, like a United Methodist organization, Methodists chose the Holy Spirit, the enthusiasm, the movement, the power of the Holy Spirit to be a marker of who they were at one point in time. And that's why our like symbol is the cross and flame with the flame being the Holy Spirit. And we're in the process of changing that image for us because we have um, seen ways that that image could also reflect another type of burning cross that 
in our hopes for um, anti-racist work that we don't want to be associated with that type of image. But I wonder where the spirit will be present or if we're still marked enough by that where that becomes a focus of who we're supposed to be. Um, because I, I feel like I get as many people who um, may call on and, and really identify with that, the presence of the Holy Spirit, there's a whole other group of United Methodists that are just like, I, I don't know if I'm willing to go there. <laughs> I'll, I'll pray for you. I'll send good vibes. But like the Holy Spirit intervening in that thing, just don't know if I'm willing to go there. So... Um, Meredith, what was your challenge? Um, before I say that, whoa, Derek. <laughs> I'm really going to ponder on that later. That's what I'll be staying up tonight thinking about. So thank you for giving us that. I mean, Meredith, you don't have to. That's what we nerds are for. And so again, we can just, I'll be thinking about that as I am working through laundry tonight. And so it's it's right. it's okay if you want to just again just leave us nerds be. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you for doing that. Much appreciation. Um so this text just really made me think back to my baptism, um, which I got baptized when I was 17, um, when I got to go to Israel. And so I got baptized in the Jordan River, which, of course, at 17, I didn't really get how significant that was. Um, and then it made me think about when I accepted Christ for the first time when I was four and then rededicated when I was 16. So I didn't actually decide to follow Jesus until I was 16. Um, so the challenge for myself was, do I live as if I'm baptized by water and Holy Spirit every day in my life. And something that I struggle with, I feel like every day is, I know I'm loved by Jesus, but do I live like I'm loved? Like do my actions and my words and how I treat others, am I acting like I have been baptized through the Holy Spirit? Um, and it's easy for me to just kind of go in autopilot um, in life and just in my faith. And I think a lot of other people struggle with that. Um, and so, yeah, like that's just something that I kind of have to check in on myself. Um, am I living like I am free and rescued? That is, I'm getting this image around these challenges of this tension in the text between what we are called to do and then who we are called to be. That this, that, that this clinging to um, our label as like a beloved people of God is a way of being. But then we also have this image of John whose way of being caused him to do some really strange stuff. Um, and Grace, to your point about what that would look like in 2021, I mean, I think we have some images of people whose faith has led them to very radical places. And I don't know that that 
you know, we are, aren't all necessarily called to be John, but we have um, a, one of my favorite uh, bands, like the lead singer is a uh, Christian and he like uh, chose to only eat by dumpster diving for a long time because there's so much wasted food. Is that gonna be my way of life? No, but that was like where his faith was calling him at the moment. I don't think it still is that way. I think he has a kid now and is married, but you know, there was a portion of his life <laughs> where he was finding the local Panera to see where they were throwing out their bagels because that's like all this food going to waste. Um, and to me, that's a very like John thing to do. Like of a, my faith is calling me to do something really radical and, and different and crazy. Um, and so I guess that's what I'm thinking about in this wrestling with the challenges is that being and doing aren't mutually exclusive, but there is definitely um, a way of doing that doesn't abide in the being that is a problem. Like that becomes this like, imbalanced like um works type centered faith um and i'm sure that the holy spirit all comes into all of that stuff like the, the holy spirit's probably resting right in the middle of those like circles but um i don't know i just am kind of seeing like as different as these challenges are that there's something going on similarly with this tension happening in the text uh, and usually tensions are like right where the gospel is. So like segue to our gospel implications. Um, and I'm, I'm gonna ask Grace to start us off. Okay. Um, now is also when my sprint is acting up. So if I cut out, don't blame me. Um, but for my gospel implication, I, I'm mainly focused on verse 11, um, where the voice from heaven, which I'm assuming is God's voice, is saying, um, yeah, you're my son whom I love with you. I'm well pleased. And that's just a really another image. But like, I don't initially imagine God just telling Jesus, I'm very happy with you. But we obviously know that God is happy with Jesus because like, it's God and Jesus. Um, and the Holy Spirit but um, that was just a really beautiful thing to see God like specifically say I am happy with you you're doing great you're doing wonderful um, and it's also this moment where like Jesus is doing a thing that we do now so everything just ties in really together really well together in this one little section where like Jesus is being baptized I got baptized what um it's just really cool to get to see Jesus doing people things um but it's also very much yeah it's it's also very much Jesus doing a God thing um baptism is just really cool to me I wish that I I mean I guess I can re renew my baptism but just a really cool thing for somebody to be able to be like hi I would like to choose to give God my life now and I will do it with this thing that has been a thing for so long. Um, and yeah, it's just this beautiful combination of Jesus doing human things and God things. And I'm 
blanking on the last part of this. Um, yes, um, God with us. God is with him and with us. And the whole point, I think, of Jesus like being here and eventually being crucified is like to connect everybody. And so it's just really cool to get to see this connection happening in such a powerful way. Thanks, Grace. Uh, Meredith, what is your gospel implication? Um, so what I was thinking about is just at the very end of the text, um, again, using an image, but um, picturing John and Jesus in the water, maybe just as Jesus is coming up. And then all of the people who have already been baptized, maybe before him that are kind of on the um, on land. Um, and all these people have repented of their sins, given their life to God. Um, and so they're all individually, all these transformed people. And then together they're making um, a transformed world. And that that's like the hope that we have and that we know that um, if there's anyone who can heal us, you know, it's going to be God and he's going to be the one who's going to transform us individually. And then we're, it's just going to grow. Thanks, Meredith. Um, Derek, what was your gospel implication? Yeah, um, loving these takes. Um, I just think they're really, really awesome. Um, for me, it's the, the words from John the Baptist, you know, where he says, uh, it's in verse seven, um, one stronger than I am is coming after me. I'm not even worthy to bend over and loosen the strap of his sandals. Uh, I really appreciate that John is um, sort of embodying humility as it relates to his, his role in the story. Like the story's not actually about me, it's actually about Jesus and he's coming after me, but he's coming after me, but he was before me and, and and I just, I think one implication of the gospel is that to have the ability to acknowledge the greater one actually is what brings you into the center of the story. And, and I think that that is completely opposite of what the world teaches us, right? Like if, you, if you're gonna have center stage, you gotta get yours and forget all the other people and definitely don't acknowledge if someone is better than you in, in things. But I think that what the gospel does is it frees us from the need to, to sort of compete to be in the story. And it's the recognition that I'm actually in the story because of the greater one. And I, as long as I'm acknowledging the greater one, my, my role in the story, my place at the table, my place in the family is super secure. I, I am freed to be honest that there's actually someone better than me. And I am freed to be honest that the person that comes after me is actually someone who is before me in this conversation, whose ideas, yeah, I'm here to do a thing, but the thing that the next person's gonna do is actually better. And I'll just say that for me, um, one thing I've always sort of uh, believed at my core about leadership development is that the next generation will always be greater than the former. And that's a whole different podcast and conversation. Um, but I, 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 that is a, like a core belief for me. 
And so my expectation actually is that our students um, and the young adults that work in our ministry are just going to be better than me. I mean, just literally like the way that I think about it. And it's not a competition so much as it's just recognizing, I think, that in the kingdom, humility is what brings us into the center. And it, it's the humility to declare others better than ourselves, which we'll hear echoed through scripture. And so I feel like that, that just that image of seeing John the Baptist say to his followers, actually this guy, I think in John's gospel, the fourth gospel, he'll literally say, this is the lamb of God, follow him. <laughs> right to his own disciples like this is the man like this is the one and I, I think that that is an incredible implication of what the gospel does for us it really does free us to uh not have to compete for our place um so yeah thanks Derek I know that that particular juxtaposition of John's work and Jesus work was a challenge the last time we talked about this text because of that that way that we have confused or muddied up um, humility and self-deprecation. And I think we can hear John saying both that his work has value, but Jesus' work is just, it's just on a different level. Like it's not to say that his work isn't important. Um, and I think that, that it's, it's an important distinction for us to have. Um, and to work on. So that's probably also a challenge in that too, right? Um, gospel implications for me. Again, there's just, there's so much, and I'm really glad to hear how many different aspects of this text we've been able to tease out just from all of our different um, backgrounds. I think the best one for this season is that on Sunday, maybe you haven't gotten a chance to do it because of the COVID guidelines, and yet it's always uh, available to us that we are called to remember our baptism and be thankful. Um, and I also hear, hear that grace of like, Now, like now at this point in my life, maybe I would be able to understand baptism or appreciate it all the more. Or for me, even hearing like Meredith, like you got baptized in the Jordan, like, man, my little baptism in like a pool doesn't seem as cool as being baptized, like where Jesus was baptized. But I think the beauty of this passage, the gospel implication of this passage is that Our baptisms are not our baptisms. Our baptisms are Jesus' baptism. And so it doesn't really matter if it was in somebody's backyard pool or at the beach or in the Jordan River or a few sprinkles when you were born. We were all reborn in this Jordan River in this moment in this gospel implication so that whenever we experience that the baptism of someone else or we get the chance to remember it or even are just around uh, water and remember who God is for us, 
that we remember again these words spoken over us. Um, May the Holy Spirit work within you so that being born by water and the spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Like that the gospel implication for us is that Jesus nearness in this moment, like is not to go off on his own, but to take us with us, with him through this water. Um, And so, yeah, so that's my gospel implication. And, um, Thank you all for just talking through this scripture and it's a great way to start the year. Mm -hmm. And um, any other thoughts? I know Derek might have a thought. I'm just, I love it. And we're in epiphany Um, at the time of the airing. We're almost at epiphany at the time of recording. (laughs) And um, I just, I'm here for it. I'm so here for it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to close us in prayer and uh, just invite you all to uh, find some water. Enjoy this passage even more. So let's uh, actually, Derek is going to close us in prayer. I just like totally took that up. Uh, Derek is going to close us in prayer. Oh, good. (laughs) Friends, let's, let's pray together. Oh, God, I just give you praise for the ways that you speak and move in scripture. Thank you for the opportunity we get to discuss it. Um, And I do pray that as we are entering into Epiphany, that you would give us courage to be on a journey where we discover once again, um, just how deep your love is for us, oh God. And may we, by way of remembering our baptism, that it is Jesus's baptism, May we receive that love, receive it in the deepest places as our core reality and the foundation of our identity. Um, And we just love you and we give you praise for it all in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, thank you friends and blessings, bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Deep Gospel. Deep Gospel is a weekly conversation and ministry of Campus to City Wesley, a multi-site campus ministry serving college-age young adults in Northeast Florida. To find out more about worship gatherings and other ways to connect to our community, check out campustocity.org. You can also support us by becoming a Patreon supporter. Until next time, don't forget, you are deeply loved by God. Blessings.